Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. I'm telling you, we are in for a treat this morning. You can see joining me on the stage is a man by the name of Jonathan Hardy. And I have known their family for the past couple of decades. His dad is Dick sitting on the front row and their son, his Jonathan's son, Axel, sitting on the front row. Let's welcome them here today. Dick and Jonathan co-founded a ministry called Leaders.Church and Church University where they have trained over 3,000 pastors across the globe. It's an amazing impact that they've had for the kingdom. And so I invited them here this weekend. Dick spoke to the board last night, did some training with us that was timely and wonderful and fruitful and beneficial. So grateful for your wisdom at the table last night. And then Jonathan wrote a book called Arrow Striker, Live with Purpose and Leave an Eternal Impact every single day. And today he's gonna share a little bit uh, from this book. But as I think about Arrow Strikers, well, one thing I just wanna say before I forget, he'll be signing copies of these right outside the door this morning. So make sure you pick up a copy of this. One of my favorite chapters is chapter number five because in it you talk about a seemingly insignificant moment that in an seemingly insignificant decision that led to a domino effect for the kingdom of God. And it's just incredible. I think as I read through some of the stories in this book of people who are arrow strikers, in my mind, all I could think about were people in our church that are doing similar things, that are living their lives on purpose for the glory of God. And so I'd encourage you, this message is gonna be great for you. I'd encourage you to pick up a book. And as I think about arrow strikers, I think about Ace. And so, man, I just wanna give you this book this morning and say, uh, Thank you for all that you do for the glory of God. One more arrow striker, Kirsten Harkins, sitting on the third row right here. So grateful for you and your leadership and the team that led the IF gathering on Friday and Saturday. Let's express our appreciation to them. I should have played that better and given you the book. After service, I'll get you one, okay? So it's on me. So, well, let's welcome Jonathan Hardy as he comes to speak this morning. Thanks, buddy. All right, all right. Well, it is a privilege to be here. I am so excited. I've enjoyed uh, my time together with everyone so far. It's been great to meet uh, so many of you and look forward to meeting you afterward if we haven't had a chance to meet. And uh, I do want to first say thanks to Pastor Jonathan, to Erica for the opportunity to be here. Uh, it is a privilege. And I hope that you realize what's happening in this place. Uh, you know, we get to travel and, and work with churches all over and I can say this without a doubt that God is, is moving in this church. He is working in a powerful way. And a lot of that happens because God works through leaders. And so I just want to say thank you to you guys for what you've done over the years in leading this church. And uh, are you guys thankful for uh, these guys and their service? You know, they said yes to God many years ago about what God wanted to do through their lives. And in fact, today we're going to talk about how God has more he wants to do through all of our lives. And he's just simply looking for people who are willing to say yes 
to whatever it is that he might want to do through us. Now, before we jump into the word, I do want to introduce my family on the screen here. Uh, my wife, Ashley, and I have been married 14 years. My daughter, Emery, on the left, she is 13. Uh, we just introduced Axel, my son, on the right. He's 10 years old. He turned 10 on Friday. And, uh, and then our youngest daughter, Fia, is seven years old. So this just gives you a little idea of who this guy is up here speaking to you today. And uh, we live in Springfield, Missouri, but my roots go back to Iowa. I've got Iowa blood, folks. I grew up in Johnston, Iowa, my first 18 years. My father was born and raised in Sioux City, Iowa. So you got some, uh, some Iowa boys here with you today. It's such a privilege to be back here uh, in the great state. In fact, my dad uh, went to University of Northern Iowa, so just down the road. So go Panthers. Oh, man. Well, it is fun to be here today. And we're, we're going to have just a quick bit of fun in church before we get into the word of God today. So I brought my bow here with me today. Now, do we have any hunters in the house? Any hunters? Where am I? Okay, we got some hunters in the house. You guys must have been out hunting this morning or something because uh, there wasn't that many in the first service. Now, oh, man. So, well, we all understand whether you're a hunter or not, we understand the traditional use of the bow and arrow, right? So you grab the bow with one hand, pull back on the string with the other hand, and voila, that's how you get your big buck. Well, maybe it's not quite that easy, but you know, you get the point. It's the, that's how we use the bow and arrow. But I don't know if you realize this, there's actually another way to use the bow. It's not something that you typically see. And I don't want to demonstrate today. We don't want anyone to get hurt in here. Uh, that'd be the last thing we need. So instead, I want to just show you a quick video I found online of another use for the bow and arrow. Let's take a quick look. It's in you. How can you be running? How can you be running? It's in you. It's in you. Well, there you go. Next time you go hunting, it's that easy. It's that easy. Oh, man. Well, believe it or not, there's actually another use for the bow and arrow. We find it in the Bible. And as we look at 2 Kings 13 today, we're going to see a powerful account of two individuals and how God wanted to partner with two people to save the nation of Israel. And what it's going to help us see is how God wants to work through us and to help us capture every moment possible to make a difference for the kingdom of God where we get a victory for the kingdom of God. And so as you turn to 2 Kings chapter 13 today, I want to just sort of paint the picture for what's happening leading up to this account. You see, there's two nations at war with each other. So you have Aram, which was present-day Syria, and then you have Israel. And Aram was the more dominant nation. They were powerful. In fact, they would go into city after city, and they would just take over. In fact, in chapter 12, they go into Gath, they just take over Gath. So now it's Israel's turn. And things are not looking good for the nation of Israel. And that's where we find ourselves in 2 Kings 13, verse 7. The Bible says this, Nothing had been left of the army of Jehoahaz except 50 horsemen, 10 chariots, and 10,000 foot soldiers. For the king of Aram had destroyed the rest and made them like the dust at threshing time. So basically, we're not, things are not looking good for the nation of Israel. And if you've got a military background, you know this is not much of a nation, uh, a military for an entire nation. But that's what Israel was facing in this moment. And so then that's just the military side of things, but you have to know that the emotions and the feelings that people were experiencing in this time was really a moment of desperation. I mean, they're, they're afraid. They're looking at this dominant Aram, and they're thinking, is it just a matter of time, and we're all about to be goners? I mean, is it a, a matter of time, and they're going to just wipe us out? Are they about to take us over as well? That's how desperate this moment was that we're looking at today. 
Now, during this time, there was a leadership transition. So Jehoahaz, he was the king. He passes away. His son Jehoash now becomes the king. And Jehoash is afraid. And he's worried. And he's looking at this situation, and he doesn't know what to do. And the last thing he wants is for the nation of Israel to be wiped out on his watch, under his leadership, while he's the king. And that's where we find ourselves picking up in verse 14. The Bible says, nothing, uh, now Elijah, Elisha had been suffering from the illness from which he died. Let me pause real quick. Elisha's a prophet. And the prophet in that day was the spokesperson for God. So God would give the prophet a message. That prophet would then declare that message to the people, even to the king. And there were times throughout Elisha's life where he had a message from God that was designed to save the nation of Israel. And this is actually one of those moments. So Elisha had been suffering from the illness from which he died. Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. And we had when he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window, he said. And he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said. And he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, Elisha declared, you will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. Then he said, take the arrows. And the king took them. Elisha told him, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. Elisha died and was buried. Not your conventional use of the bow and arrow. But what I want to do for just a moment is I want to kind of put ourselves into this scene a little bit more and then share a few realities that we can see from this passage today. So as I mentioned, Jehoash is worried. He's afraid. He, things are not looking good for the nation of Israel while he's the king. And he's afraid of what's going to happen. So he goes to Elisha, who's on his deathbed, literally about to die. And he's afraid. And he's just needing help in this moment. In fact, the Bible refers to him calling Elisha the chariots and horsemen of Israel. So what he's saying to Elisha in that moment is, Elisha, you've been our rock. You've been our stability. You've been our support. And now you're about to die. We're going to be left defenseless. So things aren't looking good for the king or for Israel. But Elisha, being the man of God that he is, has one final moment to give encouragement to this fear-filled king. Now keep in mind, at this time, Elisha's in his 80s. He's, he's literally on his deathbed. In verse 20, he passes away. So he's literally at the end of his life. But he still has a moment to give hope to the nation of Israel. I can picture him just kind of slowly walking with a staff or stick of some sort over toward the east window where he tells Jehoash to go. And, and he, the Bible says he places his hands on the king's hands. In that, in, in that moment, symbolically, the power of God was given to the king through the placing of Elisha's hands on the king's hands. And right there in that moment, he's saying, this arrow that you're shooting out the window represents victory. This nation that has been dominating you, this nation that people are afraid of, this nation that you, king, you're afraid of, that nation, you're actually about to wipe them out instead. I mean, this would have been like the Cinderella story of the century, this weak Israel that's just hanging on by a thread, actually defeats the superpower. It's crazy. Then he says to, to take the arrows and to strike the ground. Now, we've got a few arrows here. And... Um, what many scholars believe he's saying in this moment is to literally take the arrows in his hand and to literally strike the ground with them, sort of like this. Again, not your conventional use of, of arrows, 
But what he's rep- saying is these arrows represent victory. So every strike of the arrow represented the victory. And we can see here that he says that you're only going to get three victories because he only struck the ground three times. There's something really powerful that we can see from this. And really it's designed to be a caution for us. You see, Jehoash could have struck the ground more. Elisha says that you could have done five or six times. Then you would have completely wiped them out. But you only did three. You see, Jehoash gave a half-hearted effort. He could have gone all in, but he didn't. He stopped short of what God wanted to do in that moment. And you see, this account is actually a caution for us because God wants us to go all in. He wants us to passionately pursue him. He wants to use our lives to make a difference for the kingdom. And he wants us to strike our arrows, figuratively speaking, every chance we get and not stop short of what he might want to do, not only in our lives, but through our lives to get a victory for the kingdom of God. Now, anytime you read the Old Testament, the physical realities described in the Old Testament correlate to the spiritual realities in our lives today. So let's use this example between uh, Aram and Israel. That physical battle happening between those two nations, it actually directly correlates to our lives. We're in a battle. It's a spiritual battle. It's a battle of light versus darkness. It's a battle of good versus evil. Battle of heaven versus hell. And if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, then that means you're actually a soldier fighting the battle for the Lord's army. In fact, does anyone, uh, did, if anyone grew up in church, you guys remember the, the Sunday school song, I'm in the Lord's army? Do we, have any, do we have any Sunday school people? Okay, we got some Sunday school people. Well, if you didn't grow up in church, that's fine. Uh, or if you don't remember the song, the, the, you can YouTube it after. But the lyrics basically said this. It said, I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never fly over the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. And, and truth be told, we are soldiers in the Lord's army. Now, now as a kid, I don't think I understood the, the theological significance of that. But we're fighting in a battle. It's a spiritual battle. It's this battle of light versus darkness, and God is looking for people just like you and me who will strike our arrows figuratively where we make a difference for the kingdom of God. Now, the Bible talks about this battle in Ephesians 6, verse 12. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Friends, we are fighting in a spiritual battle, and God wants us to strike our arrows figuratively where we're making an impact for the kingdom, where we're getting a victory for the kingdom. And so a question I have for you today is, is what might God want to do through you? You see, I do believe there's more that God wants to do through all of our lives. As long as we have breath, there's more that God wants to do. So with that as the backdrop, I want to take just a few moments, and I want to share three realities that we can see from this passage that will help us to be more effective at striking our arrows, where we're more effective at accomplishing the plans and the purposes that God has to do through our lives. The first reality is that God wants to partner with you to accomplish his purposes. God wants to partner with you. In fact, turn to your neighbor real quick and say, God wants to partner with you. This is crazy. God wants to partner with all of us. Now, if you think about it, we're talking about the God of the universe who said, let there be light, and light was formed. Who put the sun and the moon, the stars in place, and, and then creates the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and all of creation. Then after that, creates humanity. That God, he is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He could do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. He doesn't need you and me to partner with us, but he chooses to do that. He wants to partner with us. He wants this relationship with us, not only to work in our lives, but to work through our lives. He wanted to do that with Jehoash. He 
going to partner with Jehoash in order to save the nation of Israel. And he wants to do that with you and me today. Now, as you think about what does this partnership look like, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we are Christ's ambassadors. And I think this is a good illustration for us of what it's like to be a partner with God. Now, if you think about an ambassador, we have ambassadors all throughout the United, uh, from the United States all throughout the world. So, you know, there's ambassadors in, in various countries. And, and what are they doing? They're representing the United States. They're looking out for the purposes, the priorities. They're really looking out for the best interest of the United States in those respective countries. Well, as Christ's ambassadors, we're representing heaven's priorities, heaven's purposes, heaven's plans. You see, Jesus said uh, in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God's desire is for his will to be done here on earth. And he chooses to partner with us. He chooses to use us as ambassadors. Now, one of the things that you need to know about an ambassador is an ambassador is a representative in another place, not in their homeland. And see, we, we know from Philippians 3, we are citizens not here on earth, but our citizenship is actually in heaven. But we're temporarily living here on earth. And so we're visiting earth right now. Now, we don't know what it's like to be in heaven because we haven't actually experienced that yet. But truth be told, as believers, our eternal home is, is heaven, not here on earth. And so God's desire is to, to partner with us to help us be a representative of his purposes and of his priorities here on earth. We're ambassadors. Now, the ultimate ambassador, so to speak, that I could think of would be Jesus himself. Because what did Jesus do? He left his home, heaven, to come here temporarily to earth to fulfill the Father's plan. And so we model our lives after Jesus. We do what Jesus did. And so we look at his characteristics, we look at his traits, we, we try to model our lives after Jesus. That's what we do as believers. But we also model our lives after the way he operated. And if you can think about the way Jesus operated, I believe his desire is for us to actually operate in the same way. So that means healing the sick, that means setting people free, that means delivering people, that means encouraging people. Now that's not through our own power, it's through Christ's power, the Spirit of God living inside us, but that's what we do. In fact, Jesus told us that's what we're supposed to do. Look at it in John chapter 14. He says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. So actually Jesus is kind of taking it to the next level and saying, we're actually going to do more than Jesus. Now that's crazy if you think about it. But God wants to do that through you. And you could say, well, you know, I mean, I could maybe do some things, but I'm not fully qualified to do certain things. But what I want you to know is God qualifies those who are unqualified. And truth be told, every one of us in this room are unqualified. But he qualifies us because of what he did for us. So we're all imperfect people. We're all imperfect people on an imperfect journey toward a perfect God. And so you might feel imperfect. And you might feel like, well, I mean, I might be able to do some things for the Lord. But what I want you to know is despite your imperfections, God still wants to partner with you. That's what he wanted to do here with Jehoash. In fact, what's crazy about Jehoash is Jehoash not only was an, a, an imperfect person, he was actually an evil person. Look at it in verse 11. It said, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And he did not turn away from any of the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, which he had caused Israel to commit. He continued in them. And then we find out in verse 13, he actually names his son after Jeroboam, Jeroboam II. And so what's so crazy about this is God already knew all that, and yet he still was trying to work through this king in order to save the nation of Israel. 
So here's the good news. Even if you've messed up, even if you've made mistakes, even if you've had some trauma in the past, or if if life today hasn't quite transpired the way you thought it would have, today moving forward, if you're willing to say yes, he will work through you in a powerful way. You see, we don't serve a God of the past. We serve a God of the future. So God sent his son Jesus to forgive our past so that we can embrace the future that he has for us. And so despite our imperfections, we can know that he still wants to partner with us. This isn't in your notes, but Psalm 103, I think verse 11 says that he's, for, he's removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. They're gone. And so God looks at our life, if you're a believer in Jesus, and he says, wow, this person has a clean slate because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so while we remember the past or the trauma or the mistakes, what I want you to know is despite those things, God still wants to work through you. That was the case with a woman who had read my uh, book, and, and she sent me an email, and I wanted to read just a few things because it's possible that some of you may be in a similar situation where, where maybe there's things that you're not stepping into because of a certain belief. This is what she said. She said, the past couple of years have been rough to say the least, battling breast cancer and going through divorce after 17 years of marriage. My dreams were put on the back burner. Then she proceeded to explain something she was feeling God calling her to do. Now keep in mind, this woman is involved in her church. She's on the worship team at her church, but she was sensing God wanted her to do more. Then she said that she said, I had a belief that God cannot use me to make an impact because I'm a divorced Christian woman. But now I know that is far from the truth. She said, I put off striking my arrows because of fear, because I'm not good enough, because I'm not spiritual enough, because my life has been a little messy. But then she said, it's time. And what I want you to know today is that it's time for you as well. That despite the fears, despite the feelings that maybe you're not significant enough or maybe you're not um, qualified, that Jesus is the one who qualifies us. And if we're willing today, moving forward, to say yes to what God wants to do, he will, in fact, use you in a powerful way. I love what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3, verse 13 and 14. He says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. You see, Paul was giving the approval to the murder of Christians. He was persecuting Christians before he converted and became a follower of Jesus. So I think he had an understanding of what it's like to set that past aside and to step into what God had for the future. That's why he said, I press on toward the goal to win the prize, which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And in the same way that Elisha placed his hands on the king's hands, I believe today God wants to just lovingly wrap his arms around you and let you know that he still loves you, that he still wants to work in your life, and he still wants to work through your life to make a powerful difference for the kingdom. There's more God wants to do through you. Well, the second reality we see is that God will give you opportunities to make a difference. God will give you opportunities to make a difference. So once we realize that we're partners with God, that we're ambassadors for Christ, that we're soldiers in the Lord's army, then all of a sudden it'll help us to realize that, honestly, opportunity is everywhere. I mean, every single day, everywhere you go, there is an opportunity to be used by God to make a difference for the kingdom. We don't have to go move to another country. You don't have to go be a missionary overseas. You don't have to quit your job or change your life. In fact, for most of you, God has positioned you where you are today because he wants to use you right where you are at school, at work, in your neighborhood, wherever you go. God has a purpose and a plan, and he wants to give you these opportunities. That was the case with Elisha and Jehoash. You see, Elisha's opportunity here 
was actually to encourage the king. That, that's what his opportunity was. And then Jehoash's opportunity was to, to, to strike those arrows. And all of that was collectively designed by God in order to save the nation of Israel. God has given you gifts and new talents and new resources and new abilities, and he's given you opportunities. And he wants to keep giving you opportunities every single day to be used by him. You know, and it doesn't have to be some huge grand calling that God might have. Now, there might be some that God is calling you to step into something specific. But oftentimes, it's just the everyday moments of life where an opportunity uh, possesses itself. Reminded of a couple Wednesdays ago, I think this was two Wednesdays ago, I was at our home church, and on Wednesday night we have a, uh, a prayer service. So there's worship time, then there was a little bit of prayer uh, segments, and then we had uh, a teaching moment, and then it was just time to open up the altar for people to pray. And I was sitting in my seat, my wife was here, there was an empty seat here, and then there was a gentleman on the end. This gentleman, I've never seen him before. I'd never met him. Uh, I just said, excuse me, as I walked by to grab my seat before service started. That was it. So that's the extent of my relationship with this man. But in that moment, God said, I want you to ask him what he needs prayer for. Now, I, I didn't set out that, that night to come to church to, to pray for this gentleman. And, and my initial reaction was like, okay, Lord, are you sure? Am I hearing you right? Because, you know, hey, we're all human. And, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, did I just think that? Or is that God? But anytime that you think something about praying for someone, it's, it's probably God. And, and so I said, okay, you know, I'm going to do that. So I, I scoot over to the seat and I tap him and say, hey, is there anything I can be praying for you about? He looks at me and says, yeah, I just got diagnosed with cancer this week. And I was like, oh, okay, wow. And in my mind I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm glad I, I'm glad I obeyed God and I did this in this moment. And we had a moment of prayer together and, and hopefully uh, encouraged, and, and I believe he's going to be healed. But that was an opportunity that I didn't set out for. I wasn't looking for. It wasn't some grand calling from God, but it was just a moment that God spoke. And so my encouragement to you is, is to be listening with your voice for the Spirit's leading in your life, to be just looking for opportunity everywhere you go, and to know that even in the places that you might least expect that God wants to use you. And then for some of you, serving here in ministry might be a, a next step for you. In fact, if you're not serving in ministry, but you want to, you want, I want to encourage you to make sure to scan that QR code in your seat back and, or, or to go to the growth track to get signed up and maybe figure out what are the, some of the areas of gifting that you have and how can you use your giftings here in the walls of this building at Crosspoint. Because in reality, every, every time you serve here, that's another strike of your arrows. It's an opportunity to use your life for just an hour or so of your time on a Sunday morning or maybe something else throughout the week to use your life to make a difference for the kingdom. And all of the things we do collectively as a body of Christ, they all are building the body. And they're getting victory after victory after victory for the kingdom. So maybe for you, the first step would be, hey, you know what, I'm going to sign up. I'm going to get involved in ministry. But whatever it looks like, what I want to encourage you to do is to be obedient to the opportunity that you have. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 9, 37, that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And he's looking for workers. He's looking for able-bodied people to say, you know what, God, I sure use me. I'll, I'll do something for the kingdom. He wants to do that through you. Now, what's interesting about this account is uh, Jehoash actually had to physically strike the ground with the arrows. And you see, I think there's something very significant about that. Because opportunity is really all around us, but that doesn't mean we're going to maximize it or we're going to capitalize it. So sometimes there's, an, there's a, uh, an act that we have to take. So just like him, he had to physically strike his arrows. For some of us, 
we actually have to take an action in order to step into that opportunity. So that might mean going over to the neighbor's house and actually giving them the invite card for Easter. Or it might mean like opening your mouth and, and, and sharing your testimony. Or it might mean initiating in order to offer to pray for someone. So the opportunity is there. The question is, will we, will we take a step? Will we act? This is why I think Paul said in Ephesians 5, he says, make the most of every opportunity. Because the opportunity is there, but we have to make the most of it. So we have to act. We have to do something. And I want to encourage you, when you have opportunities, to take that step. You know, in reality, every prayer you pray is actually another strike of the arrows. Every time you're praying for your children at night, this is one of the things I was telling the first service. I, I, pray, I, I pray for my children after they go to sleep. I go back upstairs one more time, lay hands on them, because it's like, oh, one more strike of the arrows, one more prayer. One more dollar you give to the church or the ministry, it's another strike of your arrows. One more time of serving here, it's another strike of your arrows. One more time of sharing your testimony, strike of the arrows. One more time of inviting someone to church, strike of the arrows. One more time of sharing the gospel, strike of the arrows. All of these collectively are opportunities for us to strike our arrows and get one more victory for the kingdom. In fact, even in life's challenges, we have opportunities to strike our arrows. Uh, one of the stories I share in the book is, is a, a woman named Crystal. Uh, Crystal is a friend of ours. Uh, we used to live in our neighbor, same neighborhood together in Kansas City, Missouri a number of years ago. And several years ago, she had complications in her pregnancy. And turns out she ended up having a stillbirth. And so now, of course, instead of planning for a baby shower, she's preparing for a funeral. And, and obviously that was a very devastating situation for her. And uh, the baby was born and they named the baby Gracia. And, and on the night of Gracia's funeral, some friends and family gathered together just for a time of prayer and worship. And, and during that time, they actually collected $400 to give to Crystal just to be a blessing to Crystal, to help her, to take care of her, and to just to let her do whatever she wanted with it. She could have pampered herself. She could have treated herself. She could have done whatever she wanted with that money. But she sat on that money just for a little bit, and, and as she began to share her story in the days and weeks that followed, she began to realize how many other women had experienced something similar, some sort of pregnancy loss like she had. Then four weeks after her loss, another woman had a pregnancy loss. And in that moment, God birthed an idea in her, so she took that money, she bought a gift box and some supplies, and uh, she put it together and gave it to this other mom just to be a blessing to this mom. So here Crystal is, she has a challenge, and yet she flipped it into an opportunity to be a blessing to someone else who experienced something similar. Now what Crystal didn't know in that moment was that this actually would end up becoming a nonprofit. It's called Lullaby of Hope. And to date, this nonprofit has given more than 3,000 gift boxes to women who've experienced pregnancy loss. And it's all because Crystal took a challenge that she was going through personally, flipped it into an opportunity to be used by God. And now here, thousands of women have been impacted because of that. Yeah, that's awesome, isn't it? Whether you're going through a challenge right now, or whether it's just the everyday moments of life, or whether it's a specific calling you've been sensing from God. God will give you opportunities to make a difference if you're willing to say yes to what he wants you to do. Well, the third reality we see here is that God will give you, God will use you to the degree that you believe for his help. God will use you to the degree that you believe for his help. In other words, the degree to which we believe God for the victory is actually the degree to which we'll see the victory come about. That was the case with Jehoash. He struck the ground three times, and sure enough, we see they got three battle victories. Let's look at it in verse 24. 
Hazael, king of Aram, died, and Ben-Hadad, his son, succeeded him as king. Then Jehoash, son of Jehoahaz, recaptured from Ben-Hadad, son of Hazael, the towns he had taken in battle from his father Jehoahaz. Three times Jehoash defeated him, and so he recovered the Israelite towns. It's interesting, isn't it? Three strikes of the ground led to three battle victories. And the point is simply that God is going to use you to the degree that you believe for his help. You see, the fact of the matter is our level of faith actually determines the destiny. It determines the outcome of the situations that we face. You see, Jesus said this in Matthew 9, 29. He said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. So there's something special about our faith to believe that results in the victory. Case in point, Jesus, when he was healing people and meeting people's needs, this is what he would say so often. He'd say, well, it's your faith that has made you well, or it's your faith that has healed you. Or the one time where the men brought the paralytic man to Jesus and they couldn't get to Jesus, so they get up on the roof and open the roof up and they lower him right down in front of Jesus. Jesus heals the man and he stands up and walks. And what does Jesus say? It's actually because of his friend's faith that Jesus did the, perform the miracle. So there's something about our faith to believe that results in the victory. But to take it even a step further, our faith actually can take the impossible and can make it possible. Look at what the Bible says in Matthew 17, 20. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing. Doesn't say some things, partial things. No, nothing will be impossible for you. So you may feel like God says to you, hey, I want you to, you know, do this, or I'm calling you to this, or hey, take this opportunity, and it could feel impossible but you know what we see here that simply through our faith, that impossibility can become possible. Or maybe you have a family member or a friend and you look at their life and you just think, man, it would be impossible for them to ever come to know Jesus. What well, we can see here, that faith can make that impossibility become possible. And so I don't know what it is that God might want to do through you. But what I know is as you have faith to believe, he will in fact use you to that degree. And so I want to encourage you, let's believe big. Let's trust big. Let's just go for it because we serve the God of the universe and God can work powerfully not only in our lives but through our lives as we have faith to believe. Well, this reminds me of another story I share in the book uh, is during my sophomore year of college, uh, I attended Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And during that time, there was a freshman that arrived on the scene. Uh, his name was Dominic. Dominic was just a passionate young man. He had a heart for God. And he had a desire to see God do some really big things through his life. In fact, he had a goal. It was a spiritual goal. And he typed it up on an eight and a half sheet of white printer paper, slapped it up onto the cream cinder block wall in his dorm room. So every time we're hanging out in his dorm, we see this goal typed up on his wall. This is what it said. It said one million souls. His goal was to reach a million people with the gospel. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a really big goal. And requires some really big faith. But he had the faith to believe. By the age of 20, he founded an organization called Missions.me. That's their website and the, the name of their organization. They hold large-scale outreaches around the world. In 2013, that organization held an outreach in Honduras. And that outreach alone reached over a million people with the gospel. It's crazy. In fact, the next day, the newspaper said, we have a new Honduras all because there was a college freshman years ago who had some big faith to believe that God could actually use his life and that he could make his mark on this world. 
Now, I'm not going to set the bar that high for you and say that that needs to be your goal, but I also don't want to set the bar too low because I want to encourage you to believe big. Believe that God still has more he wants to do through your life. In fact, one of the things I love about this account with Elisha is that Elisha's in his 80s. He's literally about to pass away, but he was giving his all to the very end of his life. And God wants to do that through you, no matter how young or old you might be. No matter how much you know about the Bible or how little you know about the Bible, no matter your past mistakes or your experience in life, God wants to use all of us collectively to make a difference. So what could that be for you? Maybe you'd set a goal. I know Easter is coming just over a month away. Maybe you'd set a goal and say, you know what, I'm going to invite a certain number of people to Easter this year. That'd be awesome. Why not set a goal like that? We can do that. That's okay to set goals like that. Let's go for it. Or maybe to offer to pray for someone. Or maybe it's for you, it's getting involved here in ministry. And maybe take it, your first step is going to growth track. I don't know what it is for you. But what I want you to do is I want you to pray and just ask God, how do you want to use my life? Because when it's all said and done and we're, we're standing before our Father in heaven, we're going to give an account to how we live. And regardless of your past, we can't change that. But what we can do is today we can make a decision that today moving forward, we're going all in. And that we're going to take every opportunity that we can. We're going to make the most of those opportunities and see God get victory after victory after victory for the kingdom. So let's keep striking our arrows and not stop short of what God wants to do through our lives. The final passage I want to leave with you is from Paul. It's in Colossians chapter 4. This is what Paul said. He said, see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. That means there's a work that he wants each of us to complete. There's a purpose that God has. There's a plan he wants us to fulfill. And maybe it's just those everyday occasions, kind of like me with that guy a couple Wednesdays ago. Maybe it's a calling that God has. But whatever it is, I want to encourage you to just pick up those arrows again, even if you've set them down for a little bit. Pick them up again and start striking the ground and know that God is going to lead you to getting victory for the kingdom of God. And we're going to be blessed and we're going to be so excited to see how he works not only in our lives, but through our lives to help other people. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for your word. And we know that your word is true. And Lord, today, as we reflect on what you have taught us through the word, I pray that you'd help us to step into whatever opportunities that you would want us to step into, that you would help us to be faithful with every moment we have. Lord, for some, they may be called to something specific, and I pray that that you would help them to have the strength to step into that particular calling. For others, it may be just being aware of the opportunities that you present, and so I pray you'd help them to have an awareness. For others, it might be taking that step of faith or that act. Whatever it might be, Lord, I pray that you would use our lives to make a difference for the kingdom. With heads bowed and with eyes closed and no one looking around, just for a a quick moment, I I do want to take a moment to talk to those of you who, who might not be followers of Jesus. Because in a room this size, it's possible that there could be some of you, and you've actually never put your faith in Jesus at all. And so this idea of making a difference for the kingdom uh, it doesn't really fully resonate because truth be told, you, you're not a follower of Jesus. But today could be your day. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. This is your moment that you could say yes to Jesus. Could be for the first time or maybe for the first time in a really long time. And, and if you were to evaluate the course of your life, 
For those of you who'd say, you know what, my, my life has not been serving God, I'm not living for God. If you'd look at your life right now, you'd say, man, I, I, I don't know that I'm even a follower of Jesus. If I were to die today, would I go to heaven? Now, you, you might not know the answer to that. And if that's the case for you, I wanna give you a moment. I wanna give you an opportunity to put your faith in Jesus. The Bible says in John chapter three that unless a person is born again, they cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So my question to you is, have you had that spiritual rebirth? Have you been born again? where your life is literally transformed from the inside out. The Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old ways are gone. The new has come. Have you experienced that new you by putting your faith in Jesus? If not, then today is your opportunity to do so. And so with heads bowed and with eyes closed and no one looking around, I wanna just take this quick moment. If you say, Jonathan, that's me. I'm not following Jesus, but I want to follow him. I wanna put him first in my life and I wanna become a, a Christian today. If that's you, just simply lift up your hand quickly and then you can put it down. If anyone is in here and you wanna, yes, awesome, I see that hand. Praise the Lord. Is there anyone else? You'd say, you know what, Jonathan, I'm away from God, but I wanna follow him. Awesome. In the back, I see it. Is there anyone else? You're not living for God, but today you want to put your faith in Jesus and make him the Lord of your life, where he's the leader of your life. Is there anyone else you'd say, you know what, I want to do that today. Just lift up your hand quickly, and then you can put it down. Awesome. Father, I thank you for these who've raised their hands. Pray that you would bless them and honor them as they take a step of following you and putting their faith in you. We love you, God, and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give a hand to those who raised their hands today? Thank you so much, Jonathan, for coming and sharing today. What a powerful word and what an opportunity and an invitation for each of us to live on purpose for, for the God of the universe. The fact that he gives us an invitation to do that is absolutely incredible. Again, he'll be out in the lobby as soon as service is over if you want to pick up a copy of that and have him sign it. I picked up uh, a couple of copies for my kids. I've got to pick up one more because I have three kids now instead of two. And, uh, and so I'd encourage you to, uh, to pick up some, uh, some copies for your family and read it and see how God will use you. Again, as I made the introduction earlier, as, he, as you read these and you read the stories that are in here, I, I thought about people like you people that are making a difference for the glory of God. And so I just wanna encourage you to keep doing that. I wanna pray, if you raise your hand today and you accepted Jesus as your savior, in just a moment, the prayer team is gonna make their way to both sides of the stage. I'd encourage you in that moment, when the worship team begins to lead out in a song, that you would step up front and let somebody pray a prayer or blessing over you for the decision that you've made today. Also, if you've come here needing prayer for anything, in that moment, I'd encourage you to step out of your seat and come forward for prayer. So let's stand all across this room. I'm gonna pray. Prayer team's gonna make their way to both sides of the stage. If you need prayer for anything, I'd encourage you to step out of your seat and come forward. Lord, we thank you so much for the message that's been shared today, for bringing Jonathan and Dick Hardy here to invest in our church and to our board last night and to invest in these services. Lord, to bring a powerful, timely word for us that you have a purpose for us. 
And so God, I pray that we'll leave from here with a higher level of faith and expectation of what you wanna do in us, that we would be arrow strikers, that we would live on purpose. God, I pray for some who have laid down dreams in their lives, dreams that you've given to them, that today would be a day that they would resurrect those dreams and live them out for your glory. So Lord, I pray that you would anoint us all, that you would bless us as we walk in faith and obedience to you in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.